Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome in to the West of the Rest podcast. It is Monday, September 19th, and we're here again to kick off your week like we do every week with another episode on West Coast Recruiting. I am Blair Angulo, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, the National Recruiting Editor for 24-7 Sports, Brandon Huffman. Huff, I'd ask you how you're doing or what's up, but I literally just saw you. Dude, we hung. We were like Leonardo. Kate Winslet, Andy Sandberg, Lonely Island, bro. We had a weekend. We did. It was actually, you know, we teased it a little bit on last week's episode. And we've said, I think now for a few years, along with our good friend, Greg Biggins, that we were going to try to hit a college game at least once a season, right? Like pick out a good atmosphere, good game day experience, a good matchup, something fun, something to, you know, scratch off the the bucket list because there are college football bucket lists. You know, when you think about things that people want to see, I mean, what what are some bucket list items for a college football fan? You you want to go go see Touchdown Jesus? Maybe go see a good Notre Dame game. Uh, go to the Big House. Yeah, jump so around. Jump around in Wisconsin. Right, yeah. a Penn State whiteout. Uh, I'm thinking like maybe an atmosphere down in the and the SEC. Right, something yeah. something cool like that. But this was a perfect opportunity for us to scratch off a bucket list item. And for me specifically, I had never done this before. But we sailgated. So that's pregame tailgating on a boat on the lake by the stadium. And I've done it one other time. It was 2000. This is how long ago it was. Charlie Weiss and Tyrone Willingham were still in their first seasons, respectively, at Notre Dame and at Washington. So that was 17 years ago. My 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 house college football changed since then. I mean, even Husky Stadium looked different then, but it was a great day. Like it wasn't too hot, but it wasn't too cold. Like I was at, you know, in in Seattle the weekend before and dying of heat stroke. And this weekend, like the weather was perfect. The sailgating was incredible. There's a great atmosphere. A lot of Michigan State fans made the trip, chartered the, the boat, but what a just a great setting. Not the greatest setting, but 
a decent setting for some college football on a yeah. fall Saturday. No, I think we reserve New Year's Day, Pasadena, the Sierra Madres in the background, that you know, golf course tailgating for six hours. If you've never done it, that should be on your bucket list item as well. Uh, that hesitation. That would qualify. And and we're a little biased. We're both Southern California guys. So so take that for what it's worth. But that I think is the greatest setting in in college football. But that was a lot of fun. Uh, it, it was, I think, really interesting to see just how it works, right? You have to get on a like a shuttle taxi boat. They drive you or uh, they sail you out into the whatever yacht or or boat that you know, you, you're supposed to go to hang out there. You could see the stadium in the background. You're getting antsy trying to go watch the game. Washington, <laughs> Michigan State, in, in this in this sense, you know, you even had you know some some boaters out there going to extreme measures to to shuttle to get the attention of the shuttle uh, sailors, uh, and that was interesting. Some Mardi Gras vibes, if you will. I thought it was I, I thought it was fun to get it get to experience that. I don't know if I would do it every time I go to a game at Washington. But to do it once, uh, I think I was really happy to do that. And uh, it was fun. You guys are a gracious host, obviously. And, and we're going to try again to maybe hit another game later this season or maybe set our sights on the 2023 campaign. Huff, you know who didn't have smooth sailing this past weekend? That Ooh. would be Herm Edwards. He is out at ASU. The... Writing was on the wall, I think you could say. I, I don't know if this came as a surprise to anyone. The Sun Devils lost to Eastern Michigan on Saturday, and it appeared that Herm got the hook on the field right after the final whistle. Yeah, and I thought that, you know, when Lane Kiffin got, as the, the, the phrase has become popular, should be in, you know, at least the Urban Dictionary, if not Webster's Merriam or Merriam-Webster's tarmac. <laughs> I saw somebody say, did Herm Edwards just get end-zoned? And there looked to be a little meeting after the game between the president of Arizona State, the athletic director, and Herm Edwards. You know, nobody's as good as John Boy Media in terms of breaking down what somebody is saying on a, a video. How but great are those, by the way? Oh, there, there was a you know, great article last week on how he doesn't even have a website. It's all social media driven. But there was, you know, somebody did some sleuthing and said that maybe they thought Herm was essentially told the time he needed to show up the next morning to be... But I'm sorry, he wasn't fired, Blair. He didn't resign. It was a mutual relievement of duties. Like, come on. Can we just call it what it is? He it's what's we're we're living huff in the participation trophy era as as you know yes. and 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 now everything is about semantics and yes. perception and the optics of the situation right so sure herm you're not the guy for us and what's he going to say oh you know of course like you know i i see i see what's happening here you know i i think i need to step down as well and it becomes a mutual parting of ways the press release gets a little flowery and the, you know we have the, the the terminology that we are now dealing with but i think this is this is going to be fascinating to see what asu does not only at the head coaching position but now how they attack recruiting because i felt like this move could have been made last year after the allegations came out, after that investigation by the NCAA Infractions Committee, looking into what ASU was doing during the 2020 COVID 
campaign uh, where allegedly they were bringing in visitors when in-person meetings were not allowed. Remember, on this show, on this podcast, you and I were breaking down how these schools were bringing visitors on campus in virtual means, right? They were going on Zoom calls. They were doing FaceTimes. They were even allowing recruits to go on their own and travel to schools, and they would hand them an itinerary, a to-do list. They would hand hand them things to do when they were on campus, and coaches would FaceTime them and say, hey, you need to turn left here and go check out this building. Or, hey, we left the door open over here. If you want to go check out the football facility, we're not there. But anyway, so ASU was allegedly... Exactly. And I guess we'd be naive to believe that ASU was the only school doing this uh, and, and the only school that... Obviously, the only school that really got caught doing yeah. this. But apparently bringing in recruits during a pandemic and all that, all, all the things that happened and that came along with that, that was the easy way out for ASU to make a change. Clearly, maybe not the the way this program should have been trending at the time with Edwards and, and with the staff that he had brought in. Remember, this was a star-studded recruiting uh, staff with with Antonio Pierce and Prentice Gill and a number of play, uh, a number of coaches that were known to recruit players at, at an elite level. And, and so now it brings us to our next topic. Are we overreacting, which we do every week here on the show? Are we overreacting when we say ASU fumbled this away over a year ago? No, because if you look at the coaching movement, the coaching carousel that we just endured this offseason, it was the wildest coaching carousel probably in the history of the sport. Now, that's not to say ASU would have got Lincoln Riley. They would have got Brian Kelly. You know, they would have been able. But if this decision had been made, say, last July, or I think it was mid-June of 2021, when the, when the first kind of hints of the allegations started popping up and assistants were going on lead, had they made the decision that no matter how the season played out, he was done at the end of that year, by the time they were done with the duel in the desert, they could have had a coach ready to be announced within days. They would have also had probably three or four month head start on it. I mean, we, we've seen now, you know, last year when Lincoln Riley, I'm sorry, when Clay Helton was fired after week two, you know, this year we saw week two, Scott Frost gets fired. Week three, Herm Edwards gets fired. It's not unusual to start making these firings earlier in the season so you can be proactive in who you hire. But ASU just, not only that, they're, they're doing it when the market has been completely recalibrated. Remember, uh, a year ago, we talked on this very show when we were still doing the, the national stuff. With the pandemic and the the fiscal losses that schools endure with having to basically not let school or, or fans come to games, would that affect the coaching carousel? It clearly did not. But ASU could have made this move before the market got recalibrated. Now, a guy like Billy Napier, who was the former OC at ASU, he's not leaving Florida for the ASU job. They, they could have been proactive and they could have done it where monetarily it would have made more sense. Now they got to pay Herm a decent amount because let's be honest, his athletic director was his agent. He's going to make sure he gets paid no matter what the NCAA may find. So yes, I think not only did they fumble it, they threw an interception and got tackled for a safety all in the same play. That whole operation needs a recalibration. Like ASU should not be uh, where they are in recruiting, right? Only a handful of commitments ensure they're they're handcuffed because of some of those self-imposed violations and things of that nature. And and there's been, I think, uh, an anticipation that something would would happen to to this program. There'd be a lost scholarship 
scholarships or a postseason ban or whatever it may be, that it is affecting recruiting. So we we can't really say one without the other. But on the same level, ASU should be recruiting better locally. There's enough talent now in the greater Phoenix area where they shouldn't have to be going you know, to Texas or all the way out to the South or in the Midwest uh, and ex- exerting a lot of resources and time and energy uh, on, on some recruits that are really good, right? So if schools like Texas, Oklahoma, Ohio State, places like that, if Arizona is good enough for them to go out there and get talent, Right, the the Dylan Rayolas and the Bijan Robinsons and the Lathan Ransoms and the Ty Robinson who who we've seen over at Nebraska. You know, why are some of these recruits not good enough for ASU? Uh, that I think that's been a common complaint among that fan base. Uh, yeah. But also, I think there needs to be a, a clear vision and a clear direction, especially now considering all the uncertainty surrounding the Pac-12. So not only now do you have to deal with a coaching search, but what's what's the place, right? Like, what conference are we going to play in? You know, are, are we are there going to be advances from the Big 12? Should we make a very selfish decision and move while we still can? Or are we going to wait to see what happens with the Pac-12? I mean, there's so many different variables now that make this a, an even more challenge, challenging situation. And then you clump all that in into recruiting specifically. It's like I said, it's going to be one of the more fascinating case studies to look to look at in the next, what, five, six months ahead of the early signing period and, and the traditional signing per- period in February. I, I think, when you, you know, you go back to it too. Like you, you look at the timing of everything. I mean, again, this is where you, you question the relationship between Ray Anderson and Herm Edwards to the point where everybody seemed to be protected, but... Herm Edwards. Now, whether it was naivety or not that he didn't know this is going on, the head coach, and this is the thing about college coaching that always makes me laugh. Because I I think about, you know, in college basketball 25 years ago, the head coaches know what's going on, but they have plausible deniability, and the young up-and-comers are the ones that take the fall. And so whether Herm knew or not, it's his operation. He's in charge. Remember, this is a whole new model that Arizona State was bringing and the he, he was supposed to be known as the CEO remember exactly. the CEO of of what they were wanting to be an NFL run operation like it, it would model an organization instead of a college football program when Enron fell apart yeah the CEO got paid but he still lost his job like you can I'm sure if Herman really needed the money they could have taken care of him but the point is this was not going to get better. And all of a sudden, all these assistant coaches start taking the fall and the AD stands up. I mean, this is the difference too, Blair. Think about it in the, in the SEC. Like when Tennessee realized that they were not getting the return on their investment from Jeremy Pruitt, it was almost like they were tattling on themselves to be like, hey, NCAA, check us out. Look what we're doing. Oh, now we can fire for costs so we don't have to pay the buyout. Like you have some schools that will essentially rat on themselves take the fall for a year or two so they can get out of paying the buyouts. Other schools are like, oh, no, no, we want to be, well, we'll fire the guy making 200000 or 150000 but let's keep our millionaire there. ASU completely dropped the ball. And the apathy in the fan base has been telling. You know what's crazy, Blair? It's like you look at the Pac-12, I guess it'd be the South, what it used to be known as the South. You've got another school in Colorado that their athletic director is having to make a statement on Sunday. And then you have the lack of attendance at the Rose Bowl where apathy is sticking in. I mean, is that where college football is headed to? Where people start to speak volumes by either, hey, we're not going to donate. I mean, this is where college football has always been. But are now butts not going to be in seats? And is that how we're finally seeing decisions being made? I think that's 
that's the accurate description, right? You're looking at what fan bases can now control and they're saying, hey, you know what? I can just hang out here at home, watch these games, all of the games, the whole day on my 75-inch screen that's hung up on my wall. It's The picture quality is great. I don't have to stand in line to get anything. I can just go to my fridge, grab a beer, and get my snacks, order some food, and everything is here for me. And if I don't like the product, I don't like the operation, I don't like how things are being handled... I'm not going to go and contribute to this mess, right? And, and I think that that is the power of of the fan base right now. So a really interesting dynamic there. And obviously, recruiting impact will be felt. I think we're going to be able to track all of that uh, in the coming months to see what happens with, with ASU and, 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 and Huff. It's 2022 and Enron is still catching strays. <laughs> Sorry, Houston. Uh, that was a great reference. We're going to continue our conversation here on the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast, West Coast edition here on a Monday. You are listening to the West of the Rest podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. We are back on the West of the Rest podcast, Blair Angulo, Brandon Huffman, Monday, September 19th. We weren't the only ones, Huff, that had a great weekend in Seattle. How about those Washington Huskies? Two commitments, two commitments to kick off their 2024 class. A player from Arizona, that would be Jackson Jones, an edge rusher from Yuma Catholic, and also a two-way standout. He's going to play receiver for the Huskies, Landon Bell, out of Liberty High School in Henderson, Nevada. A really good start for them. So I think among the first schools, uh, among the first Power 5 programs to offer both, and you bring in two recruits from desert areas and they go up there and they experience some of the the niceness that we experienced right the weather the you know the greenery the sunshine and the the cool breeze uh the atmosphere that i think we all saw there in seattle washington michigan state a team that was coming in you know i think what would they were 11th in the country uh new coaching staff a lot of energy this was i think the perfect weekend for UW to do what they did. I think, you know, too, when you look at what Washington has been able to do, recruit kind of more on a national level this year with recruits from Texas, with recruits from Louisiana. I think South Dakota, they've gotten commitments. Last year, they pulled in a couple of guys from Michigan. And now to get your first two commits in a very good in-state 2024 year, get your first two commitments from out of state, I think that's significant because it's clear that with the top end recruits in the 2024 class in the state of Washington, they're looking national. But now when spots start to become a little more sparse, now it's only two commitments, but those two could end up pressuring other local kids and say, well, I don't want to lose my spot. So you want that positive momentum. The, the interesting part was that Washington already had, I think they were the first Pac-12 school to get a 2025 commit, which was also an out-of-state commitment, a LeMason Waller. So now 
They get the momentum this weekend, two recruitments that really were just kind of getting off the ground in Landon Bell and Jackson Jones, and you can lock them in. And that's one thing that I think you know Washington has done a good job in this cycle is with their national or non-local recruits, I would say, is keeping those guys in the fold. And now the season's playing out exactly how Washington had hoped, and you get some momentum. And the other key is you have a guy like Caleb Presley, who's the number one player in the state, who is committed to Oregon. He opts to stay home and stay local this weekend to go to the Washington game against Michigan State, which is another one of his finalists. Instead of going down to Eugene for the Oregon-BYU game, they have a great game in that setting. Does that start to maybe hit him where maybe he wants to stay close to home? He said he's insistent that he's 100% committed to the Ducks, but those are the kind of wins you have to have with the key local guys to keep those guys from leaving the state, which has seemingly been a problem the last few years. Huff, Jimmy Lake only got 13 coaches or 13 games as a head coach. You know, he he didn't uh, like he didn't get that that extended, you know, let's wait and see uh, approach. And, and I think it was also because of the apathy of the, 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 the fan base, right? Them not showing up or or some of the issues that they had within the program, you know, him being, I guess, in a way kind of uh, shown to have been physical with a player on the sideline, like all those things contributed to the toxicity within that program. But for them to make a swift change and to see where they're at now, less than a year later after that firing, you know, they, they are rolling right now uh because of of that that change in culture and and bringing in Kalen DeBoer who had you know done some really nice things at Fresno State uh there is a real stylistic fit there in, in terms of his own demeanor and and his uh mindset uh, as a recruiter and and how they view some of these prospects I mean they are trusting their evaluations you know with with these two commitments Jackson Jones from Arizona had no other power five offers they were the first one to offer in early June they they don't slow play these guys, right? They say, okay, we like you. We think you're going to be our guy. You know, they they have uh, another edge rusher on the roster from the state of Arizona right now, Braylon Trice, who I think has a lot of the similar tools that Jackson Jones did at the same stage in, in his development. So the same goes for Landon Bell out of the state of Nevada. You know, a really long 6'3", 190, could play some safety. He's going to be a receiver in Seattle. Uh, they were also among his first power five offers and, and they're not, you know, saying, oh, you know, let's wait and see or, you know, let's 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 get more junior film and let's, you know, then we'll then we'll decide. No, they 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 are trusting their eyes and they're trusting their evaluation. I think that speaks volumes too about the confidence that this staff has built. Plus, you know, they're wisely using the transfer portal. And that's how you make quick fixes nowadays. You're seeing it at USC. You're seeing it at Washington. Even with Oregon's loss to Georgia, the last two games, Bo Nix, their transfer quarterback, has been lighting it up. So Michael Penix is doing what Washington fans were hoping a quarterback could do in this system. And that's where, you know, we could go back to the Arizona State thing. You're in a desirable location where that could be a quick fix if a coach is willing to take on the NCAA sanctions that could be looming. Is the NCAA powerless? Who knows? But that's the thing. Washington is trusting their evaluations. They're trusting who they're putting those eyes on. They're taking those commitments. And I think if you look back historically at schools in the Pac-12 that weren't in the gigantic locations and fertile recruiting bases like Los Angeles, the schools that have trusted their evaluations and went after guys, those are the ones that have done a great job when they have that track record of development. That's what Chris Peterson was able to do. That's what 
you know, you go back to when Jim Harbaugh first really got things cooking at Stanford. And then for a number of years, David Shaw did the same. It wasn't like Stanford was getting every elite recruit. They were trusting those evaluations. So if you trust your evaluations and now you can add the portal for guys and fix a few spots here and there, you can turn things around relatively quickly. Yeah. And, the, and there's been reports, right, that Washington has been expressing some interest in, in potentially moving over to the Big Ten along with its rival Oregon and and they would you know form in a way a a a western quadrant with USC and UCLA which I've already confirmed their move to the Big 10 and this was as good as an application as you could turn in and a resume builder with this victory against Michigan State and then you pack in that stadium you bring in that atmosphere you bring in the buzz that 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 this staff has now brought and you could see it with recruits and, and the excitement that they've shown i think it adds up to a really nice formula there for Washington if they were to be a part of this new shift over to the Big 10 i think they would bring a lot of value to that conference so that's that's certainly something that we will be continuing to monitor here on this show as Washington keeps doing their thing and and you know maybe they'll they'll do enough to get me back up there for another game day visit. Blake Nicholson Huff, he is a top 24/7 linebacker from Northern California is set to reveal his college choice Tuesday, September 20th at what around 9:30 Eastern live on the 24/7 Sports YouTube channel. That would be 6:30 Pacific local time. What's the latest on Blake Nicholson? Yeah, so he took an unofficial visit this weekend to Oregon, went up there for a kind of a last chance to view, uh, did not go with his family, went, went solo, uh, but was able to be there for the Oregon-BYU game. I mean, he's got a finalist of Oregon, Florida State, and UCLA. Reality is, this has been a Florida State-Oregon battle for a long time. Those are the only two schools he took official visits to. But the opportunity to go up there and take that visit this last weekend probably is causing a little bit of uneasiness in Tallahassee, thinking that they had him done deal. You know, all the crystal balls were pointing that, that direction. But yet, he takes that unofficial. So Oregon's trying to make a late push. I'm still still keeping the crystal ball on Florida State for now, but Oregon's definitely adding some suspense to Blake Nicholson's announcement. Blake Nicholson, like I mentioned before, 6.30 Pacific, 9.30 Eastern, live on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel, Tuesday, September 20th. Let's move on to our next segment, the recruit performance of the week, and that would be Gatlin Bear out of Idaho. What did he do last week, Huff? Man, what didn't he do? I think he played the drum solo at halftime. He did a little bit of everything, but most importantly, he did it on the field. Eight receptions, five of them going for touchdowns, 204 yards. He's the number one player in the state of Idaho in the 2024 class. The earliest a top 247 member has come from the state of Idaho since Tommy Tungiai of the Cleveland Browns and at Ohio State was in it in the class of 2018. What he's been able to do too on the track. I mean, this is a guy who he's a 10, 5, 10, 400 meter guy as a sophomore, 200 meters. I think he went just over 22 seconds. He can fly, but he's also not just a track guy playing football. He is a football guy and a track guy. And after the numbers he put up this weekend, showing every bit why he's the top player in the state in 2024. Wasn't there another Gatlin that could fly? Was uh, the track guy Justin Gatlin? Remember him? Did Justin Gatlin. And then I, I want to say there was the, I know an Oregon fan is going to probably correct this. I, I could have sworn there was another, wasn't there a decathlete, decathlete from the state of Idaho? Maybe I'm not. Maybe. <laughs> I, I feel I like there was a decathlete from Idaho who went to Oregon, was in the Nike commercial, but I'm not remembering the name at the top well, of my head. So this is embarrassing. Ashton Eaton. Folks, I wasn't even close. 
Oregon fan, Oregon fans, the corrections, remember, send them over to at Greg Biggins on Twitter. That's at Greg Biggins. And that's if Oregon fans are still listening. We've given Washington a lot of love on this show, Huff. Uh, maybe a little bit too much love. Do we mention Blake Nicholson visited this weekend? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I think that'll do it for us, right? Uh, is there anything else? Any any other maybe weekend anecdotes that you want to throw out before we go? Yeah, I just thought it was you know it was nice to have some big games in the Pac-12 footprint over the weekend. Uh, obviously, it, it really is nice when you don't have opponents against you know smaller FCS schools. You get these in kind of environments where you get more recruit reaction. And now we're diving fully into Pac-12 play this weekend with uh, I think almost all the Pac-12 schools hosting a Pac-12 game of some sort. I think we've only had what the Stanford USC game. I think is the only conference game to date. So now everybody's diving into Pac-12 play. Also, Boise State hosted some official visitors over this weekend. You know, we, we do talk west of the rest, but we do have to go to Europe. They, one of their visitors came from Germany, Max Steggy, who took an, un, or took an official visit to Boise State. So trying to get some word on how that trip went. Kyle Cox, who's committed to the Broncos, also took his official visit over the weekend. But you know what? We cover international recruiting too, Blair, here on the west of the rest. Yeah, Germany, that would be east of the east, uh, if, if we're being technical. Uh, so for Brandon Huffman and our producer, Lance Glenn, I am Blair Angulo. Remember, if you like the show, please help us out. Give us those five stars. Follow the podcast and subscribe to the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. Again, another live commitment Tuesday. Blake Nicholson live at 630 Pacific time on the West Coast. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the West of the Rest podcast. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road, any road, the steeper the better. Because my all new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.